Well, it is good to be back home here at Valley Point. Hello, church. It is great to see you today. Tanya and I and the kids had some time to catch up with our families in Illinois and Ohio, and we had a wonderful time, but it feels really good to be back at Valley Point. We miss our church family when we are not here, so it is just fantastic to be back with you. I want to give a special welcome today to our Delaware Summer Gathering. You are now in your third week. We love you. We are proud of you. And we are so grateful that you are part of the Valley Point family. If you are not aware, we launched a Delaware Summer Gathering a few weeks ago at the Elks Lodge in Lewis. For the entire Valley Point family, if you are spending time in the Lewis and Rehoboth area on the weekends, you're vacationing for the week, or you just want to try something new for a Sunday, please check out our Delaware Summer Gathering. It happens on Sundays at 10 a.m. Okay, the question, the creed, and my response. This is our summer theme where we are taking time to dig into scripture and look at a conversation Jesus had many years ago that offers a way to just shape every aspect of life. In doing this, here's our goal. It's that we will be drawn into a deeper, richer, and better together kind of walk with Jesus and others. The question, the creed, and my response, it is a way for all of us to mature and be spiritually formed into the image of Christ for the sake of others. That's our summer. So, Let's pray together, and then we'll look into Scripture. Father, we come to you today so thankful for a new week and an opportunity to come into your presence and ask you to help us, to challenge us, to teach us, and to comfort us. God, I pray as we move through our time today that you would just use all of this to truly shape us into the image of your beloved son. We pray this all now in Jesus' name, amen. I want to begin with a big idea. For Jesus, a life absorbed in love effectively describes how his followers should act. Now, I emphasize should because we don't always act according to the ways of Jesus. And of course, there is forgiveness and grace. But a life absorbed in love effectively describes how his followers should act. So basically, anything a Christian or follower of Jesus or apprentice of Jesus does. For example, just think about these things. Reading scripture praying, attending church, generously sharing, acting in kind ways, bearing witness to our faith and forgiving. All of these things are designed to make us people who love God and love others, right? Have you ever thought about that? All the things that an apprentice of Jesus does, well, that helps us become people who love God and love others. One of the challenges that I presented on week one of this theme was for everyone to daily recite 
the Jesus Creed from Mark chapter 12. So let me ask, how did that go for you? It was three weeks ago now, but did you daily pray the Jesus Creed? Maybe you weren't here for that challenge, or perhaps life has taken over a bit, and that certainly happens. The Jesus Creed, which we're discussing, comes from Mark chapter 12, where Jesus responded to a question, and he said this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. From these verses, here's what we've done. We identified what scholar Scott McKnight calls the Jesus Creed, which is love God and then love others. That's the creed. Today, I want to do this to help us think. I want to consider the life of a man named John, John the disciple, who lived out Jesus' spiritual formation plan of loving God and loving others. He's an example for us. Here at Valley Point, we take the word of God, the scripture seriously. So please, with your Bible or with your device, meet me in the New Testament gospel of John and chapter 21. I will begin reading with verse 20. Here's what it says. And again, keep in mind, we're thinking about John the disciple. But it begins with another disciple. Here's verse 20. Peter turned around and saw behind them the disciple Jesus loved. The one who had leaned over to Jesus during supper and asked, Lord, who will betray you? Peter asked Jesus, what about him, Lord? What about him? So this is kind of a unique conversation here where Peter, an apprentice of Jesus, looks at another apprentice and asks, what about him? What about that guy? It also states in the text that this particular disciple is the one Jesus loved, as if Jesus didn't love the others. He did, of course, but Jesus had a special relationship with this unnamed disciple, and Peter knew it. So, who is Peter referring to? Well, he's referring to John, the disciple. Now, is John just kind of showing off here, since he is the author of the Gospel of John, and this is his retelling of what occurred in John chapter 20? Like, I'm the favorite of Jesus, I'm the favorite. Take that, Peter. You may be the rock, and Jesus is going to build his church on you, but at least he loves me, right? Like, you can picture this. It's kind of like our kids sometimes who will self-title themselves or one of their siblings as the favorite. You're the one mom and dad love. Is that what John is doing here? No. It's clear that Jesus and John had a close relationship. In fact, John becomes known and celebrated as the apostle of love. It's what he is known for based on his writings and scripture. 
So I think we could come to the conclusion that John's got this Jesus creed thing down. I mean, he lived with Jesus, right? He listened to Jesus. John writes about loving God and loving others. He's got this. One could say that John is a Jesus creed expert, except John has a few issues, like me, perhaps like you. And yet, and we can't forget this, he becomes someone that Jesus used to influence the world. That's good news for us. So let me roll out some fun facts about John. Here we go. Fun fact number one. John is one of the 12 disciples and one of the inner three closest to Jesus. Fun fact number two. John had a tendency to be selfish and angry, which doesn't exactly sound like a loving person, but we need to know that about John. How do we know he could sometimes respond this way? Well, in Mark's gospel in chapter three, we find Mark sharing how Jesus put together his team, how he called the disciples to follow him. Keep in mind to follow Jesus at that time. And in that context, it meant to travel with him, to learn from him and to live as he lived. Jesus was asking a lot of these disciples. It was not a casual invitation at all. So in Mark 3, we find that John's father, his name is Zebedee, he was a fisherman. And that's what John and his brother James, who was also a disciple, did for a living. They were fishermen. Well, in Mark chapter 3, it says that Jesus nicknamed these two brothers the sons of thunder. The sons of thunder. Sounds great, doesn't it? Why would Jesus give that name? Well, the designation is probably intended to reflect James and John's intense character. The sons of thunder. Doesn't exactly sound like a warm and loving person, but we'll see what time with Jesus does for John. And oh, by the way, what time with Jesus will do for us as well. Okay, fun fact number three. John wrote five New Testament books. He wrote the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and Revelation. A good portion of the New Testament is authored by John. But as great as John was, he experienced some failures. And his failures are recorded for us so that we can learn from them. This is one of the things I love about the Bible. It does not hide from us the imperfections of its main characters, like John. And I think we can, and I think we should learn from him. So let's dig a little deeper with your Bible. I would like for you to find Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. I will begin reading in verse 35, and we're thinking about some of the failures of John, how he didn't always get the Jesus creed right. So here we go. Mark chapter 10, verse 35. Then James and John, 
the sons of Zebedee, came over and spoke to him. They spoke to Jesus. Teacher, they said, we want you to do us a favor. What is your request? Jesus asked. And they replied, well, when you sit on your glorious throne, we want to sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and the other on your left. But Jesus said to them, you don't know what you are asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I am about to drink? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism of suffering I must be baptized with? Oh, yes, they replied, we are able. Then Jesus told them, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup and be baptized with my baptism of suffering. But I have no right to say who will sit on my right or on my left. God has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. And then verse 41 says this, when the 10 other disciples heard what James and John had asked, so they were aware that James and John had asked for these prominent places. When the other disciples heard about this, they were indignant. They were indignant. So think about this. If love is others first, then John is kind of struggling, don't you think? Like Jesus, when you are on your glorious throne, be sure I'm right next to you, okay? This is a shockingly arrogant thing to ask. And the other disciples were indignant. That's what the text tells us, which that word in the context there in the construction of the sentence means that they were incensed and offended and irate. They were really upset. That's one failure. Okay, now I want you to meet me in the book of Luke. Luke chapter 9, verse 54. I'll begin reading in just a moment. Before that, we need to know that Jesus has sent some messengers into the Samaritan village, and they're not welcomed in a good way. And James and John get really upset about how Jesus was not welcomed. And so here's how they respond to this. Verse 54, when James and John saw this, when the people of the village would not welcome Jesus, they said to Jesus, Lord, should we call down fire from heaven to burn them up? Oh my. Is that what we should do? Like they're not being nice to you. So should we just call down fire from heaven right now? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. So they went on to another village. If loving others is defined as not doing this, not calling down fire from heaven on them, then again, I think John is really struggling. Now, here's what's interesting. Author Scott McKnight, in his book, The Jesus Creed, said this. For someone who spends his last days writing about love, 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 
John sure fails when his love is tested. John may learn about love, but as a young man, he is crusty and cranky. But he does have something going for him. He spends plenty of time with Jesus. And that is something for us to really remember. John doesn't always get it right. I don't always get it right. You may not always get it right when it comes to loving God and loving other people. But one of the keys here that is revealed to us in scripture is that John spends plenty of time with Jesus and that helps. And that brings us to these thinking points from John's life. Number one, John eventually, he abandons his idea that he was the most important apostle. Remember, he was asking to be right next to Jesus in a place of prominence in the kingdom, but he kind of abandons all of that. How do we know that he moved away from that thinking? Well, interestingly enough, John never names himself in his own gospel. He never names himself. He's just the anonymous loved one. I think that's fascinating. Here's another thought. John outlines for us a theology of love with his writings. He goes from someone who wants to call down fire from heaven to saying things like this. And you can read all of these things in 1 John. Here's chapter 2, verse 9. If anyone claims I am living in the light, but hates a fellow believer, that person is still living in darkness. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, John states, we love each other because he first loved us. And then in chapter 4, continuing, if someone says, I love God but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, How can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. That's all in 1 John chapter 2 and chapter 4. So I think we can safely conclude that John, the disciple the one who wanted to call down fire from heaven, the one who was kind of angry and upset. He spends time with Jesus and he gets it. And now passes on this theology of love to us. It's interesting because 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John make up approximately 2% of the New Testament. So it's not a lot. Yet they contain 20% of the instances of the term love. John clearly picked up from Jesus with all of the time that they had together. Love God, that's really important, and we need to do that, but we also need to love others. So love God and love others. This is the Jesus Creed. So from what we've read today and what we have discovered from the life of John, how should we respond to this? What's my response? 
a few thoughts. Number one, for those investigating the claims of Christ or are new to following Jesus, here is a theological consideration. Some theologians, they state it this way. God's love means he always gives of himself. Ever since the universe came into existence, God has demonstrated his love in goodness toward his creation. That's what God has done. So here is the theological consideration. God is love. That's true. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Love is a relational attribute of God. So allow yourself to be captured with the lavish and the extravagant love of God. And then trust. Trust in God's saving work based on his love for you. I believe this is exactly what we see in the person of John. He got captured and he trusted and God used him. Here's another response. For those who consider yourselves to be a mature follower of Jesus, well, consider this. Those who realize how much they have been loved are able to love much, no matter what may be happening around them. So here's the challenge. Read through the five chapters of 1 John and identify the number of times we are challenged to love one another. I'd encourage you to do that. As a follow-up, choose one verse. Just one. There's all kinds of verses, but I would encourage you to choose just one verse and carry that with you for the next seven days as a reminder that those who realize and come to intellectually understand how much they have been loved, well, they are able to love much. See if doing this, reading all of the chapters and finding one verse to carry with you throughout the week awakens you. Now, one more my response, and this is for all. We have a love day coming on Saturday, July 17th, where we are going into a few of our communities to repair and restore and love and do what our community partners need from us. Now, this is our first love day in quite some time, and we are excited to serve in this way. We've been collecting different things for love days, This is our opportunity to actually go out, to leave the walls of the church, to leave the building and do this. Now, you do need to sign up online as space is limited. Our community partners are still dealing with welcoming back volunteers into their organizations. So we are not able to take as many as what we would usually do. So please sign up. You can read all about our three different community partners and what we will be doing on that Saturday online. Please join me. Join me for what I believe will be a fantastic day. We'll do that on Saturday, July 17th in the morning. If that day doesn't work for you, here's the challenge. Find ways to live out the Jesus creed in your home and in your community. The opportunities are endless. Are endless. Back to the big idea. For Jesus, 
a life absorbed in love, a life just absorbed in love, effectively describes how his followers, how his apprentices should act. May God give us the strength and the courage and the passion this week to act that way. Father, again, we come to you thankful for the word of God and how it shapes us, how it informs us and gives us information about you and how to live for you and how to be spiritually formed in such a way that we are living out the Jesus creed, loving you and loving others. God, today we've looked at the example of yet another person in scripture who lived out the Jesus creed. That's John, the disciple, the one that you love. Yet he didn't always get it right. He wasn't always perfect. He was kind of angry and could get upset quickly and fly off the handle and even want to call down fire from heaven. Yet you were patient with him. You guided him. You corrected him. And God, I believe you do all of these things with us as well. You're patient with us. You forgive. You extend grace so that when we fall off the path of living out the Jesus creed, you gently bring us back so we can once again love you and love other people. So help us to take the example of John and to run with this. I'd like for you just to keep your head bowed and your eyes closed right now. Wherever you are watching this from, And I want you to think about what God wants for you. Maybe you're investigating the claims of Christ and not so sure if who he is and what he offers is real. I would just encourage you to consider from what we have read today and what we have discovered from John's writings about the love of God and how that should be displayed in our love for other people. Allow that lavish love of God, that theological consideration to cause you to accept what God offers and that's the gift of Jesus and then trust in him alone to rescue you. Turn your life over to him and if you're ready to do that, then I would just encourage you from your heart to God's ears, just let him know that you're trusting in Jesus alone to rescue you. And thank him for his lavish love. Let him know that you want him to be your leader and your forgiver. And just thank God for the love that he extends as demonstrated in the life of Jesus. And trust, trust in that alone. For those who have already taken that step, I would encourage you to dive into the book of 1 John and read these five chapters, commit to that, and find one verse that you can carry throughout the week that will awaken you to loving God and loving others and living out the Jesus Creed. 
God, we are thankful for your love for us. Bless us now as we seek to live your way. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.